0: which is the relationship between speaking and listening. So many people think it's linear. I speak, you listen. It's a straight line. No, it's a circle all the time because the way I speak affects the way you listen and the way you listen affects the way I speak and the way I speak affects the way you speak and the way I listen affects the way you listen.
1: Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career in an unpredictable world. If you learn to weave a network of people who trust you, who feel heard, understood, and valued in your presence, there will always be someone willing to hire you, buy from you, or work with you. So what are you waiting for? Let's go Beyond Networking. Hey, hey, if you're a first-time listener, my name is Brian Miller. I'm a former professional magician turned author, speaker, and consultant on Human Connection. And welcome to the new season of Beyond Networking, formerly called One New Person. So if you've been listening for the past couple of seasons, don't worry, nothing has changed except the title and the music. We still feature intimate conversations with legends and leaders of industries about the relationships, Connections, and chance encounters on which you can build success. And speaking of legends and leaders, what a season premiere we have for you! Julian Treasure is the legend of sound and communication, a five time TED speaker whose talks have hundreds of millions of views combined. His most popular TED talk. How to Speak so that People Want to Listen has over 50 million views itself, making it the sixth most-watched TED Talk in history. And he graciously shared an hour of his time with us to talk about the crucial role of sound and communication in building successful careers. We discussed what makes people more interested in speaking than listening, how developing listening skills will actually make you a better and more powerful speaker, the audio revolution, and how audio technology is about to completely upend our world, hopefully for the better, why he believes faith and attentiveness are the keys to success, and, of course, Julian shares his story of a chance encounter with lasting impact on his life and career. It's a phenomenal conversation, jam-packed with action-oriented advice you can implement today at home and at work. Remember to check the show notes on beyondnetworkingpodcast.com for related links to Julian's TED Talks, his book, and his online course. Share this episode with the VIPs in your life, and remember to use hashtag beyondnetworking on social media so we can find you and thank you. Stick around to the end for my biggest takeaways from the episode. And now, please enjoy this conversation with Julian Treasure. Julian, thank you so much for being here today. I really do appreciate your time.
0: It's an absolute pleasure, Brian. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, so these days, if you're at a social gathering, a cocktail party, you meet someone that you're meeting for the first time, and they ask, what do you do? How do you answer these days?
0: Well, I tend to use the phrase, I'm a sound evangelist, Uh, which (laughs) kind of is the nearest thing I've got so far to what I believe in and what I do. Um, you know, I've got two kind of parallel lives, I suppose, professionally. One is running the Sound Agency, which is an international audio branding company, um, which has just launched a revolutionary product for office sound. Mm. And the other one is speaking and promoting, largely listening. I mean, it, it it's kind of the other way around. I've got TED Talks, which have been seen by, I think, Goodness knows, I don't know, 100 million people now or something incredible. Um, And the one on speaking has been seen by five times as many people as the one on listening, which says something, doesn't it?
1: It really Um, does.
0: So I tend to use the kind of speaking as the spoonful of sugar (laughs) to (laughs) engage people in the conversation about listening. I mean, I, you know, I, I say a lot that they're in a circular relationship. And if you want to be a powerful speaker, you need to be a good listener, too. But listening is, to me that's the holy grail that's the thing that the world needs a little more of right now
1: what is so i i'm so glad you right away you brought up the disparity between your really really super mega famous talk on how to speak so that someone wants to listen And then the view count, like you said, which is, you know, five times lesser on the listening one. I noticed that a couple of years ago. And uh, and then and then when I was reading your book, I I saw you, you noted the same thing by yourself right in there. So I was actually I wanted to ask you about that. Does that frustrate you?
0: I think it's natural um, because, well, there are a couple of, I suppose, social or cultural things which have driven that to a degree. First of all, the the dominance of um, text based communication, uh, which is really um, pushing us into into kind of a, an active engagement, um, typing, reading, you know, being more focused on outbound. Mm. Uh, that's perhaps always been the case, I suppose. I mean, the adage of you've got two ears and one mouth, so you know, think about that. That goes back to Roman times, doesn't it? Mm. Um, So it's been a long time the case that a lot of human beings have been more interested in speaking than in listening. Also, listening is a very passive sense. Uh, You certainly need to engage. I mean, it's a skill. Hearing is a passive sense, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Sound comes inside your head, you know, through the holes in the side of your head, collected by the wonderful pinner, and vibrates a tiny little membrane, which miraculously, to me, decodes everything from beethoven's ninth to the soundtrack of terminator you know it's it's amazing that tiny little it's three millimeters or something that's all we have and it mm. decodes everything uh the, the hearing, hearing is an amazing sense but it's a passive sense whereas i think vision is a more active sense speaking is a more active sense they're kind of projecting out i know with your eyes you're Receiving light, but it always feels like because you can move them around and direct Mm. your gaze, it feels more outbound, doesn't it? Mm. So I do think there's this desire to impact on the world, to be making change, to be affecting um, what's going on, which is at odds with, uh, you know, much more of a Susan Kane introvert uh, type Mm. of sense, which is being quiet and receiving peacefully and, you know, having no control over what's coming in uh, whereas of course with vision and with speaking you've got a lot of control so th- those are some thoughts on i suppose why it is that human beings naturally focus more on speaking than on listening uh, certainly in the last i don't know 30 or 40 years the new communication protocols that we've developed have all been very much more about outbound than mm. inbound it's much more about rattling away you know typing uh, uh, some sort of post or mini-blog or tweet or whatever it might be. You know, I'm on a train. Who cares? You know? <laughs> but there's this fantasy that there are thousands of people out there hanging on, oh, I wonder what Julian's doing right now. <laughs> Sadly, no.
1: <laughs> so to that end then – I've discovered in in my own work and spent a lot of time chatting with folks and you know speaking and you know you know we're both on the kind of speaking circuit you obviously at a much uh different level than I am but I'm out there talking to people on a on a regular basis especially students I, I spend uh I spend about half my time in the states doing kind of the college tour which I know that's not really as big a thing over in the UK I've discovered when I was an entertainer when I was a full-time magician the college market here is huge you can make a full time very nice living that doesn't really exist over there am i right about no, that you you're absolutely right yes yeah. i
0: mean nobody goes to watch college sports really you'd get to, apart from the the big match between cambridge and oxford at twickenham in rugby <laughs> um you know if you if you go to a if you go to a college and there's a football match going on, you might have eight people in the dog watching, <laughs> but not, not 60,000 people. That's yeah.
1: for sure. No, it's incredible here. So I, I spend a lot of time with students and also with a, uh, mostly my work focuses on young professionals trying to build a sustainable career in an increasingly divisive, distracted, unpredictable world, right? And there's mm. a lot of mm. anxiety out there from young people right now. Um, mm. What I've noticed, though, is contrary to what people would believe, the people who are best at connecting with others of building networks tend to be introverts Mm. or at least tend to be people who speak less, right? We think, but, but if you ask those people about it, they don't think that's who they are, right? If you ask people who are introverts, they'll tell you, oh, I wish I was an extrovert because then Mm. I could just command the attention of people. Mm. Do you think there's something about Or what is it about being an introvert, being the one that listens more than talks, that actually leads you to making better connections?
0: Well, of course, if we have a world where everybody is into talking loudly, uh, that's rather a noisy place. Mm. And it ends up, as many restaurants do Mm. uh, in your country particularly, now sadly all (laughs) over the world, Uh, you know, with everybody bellowing at the top of their voice and going home with a sore throat and a sore head because the acoustics are lousy and a thing called... Um, the Lombard effect kicks in where mm. I'm speaking loudly, so you speak a bit louder, and then I speak a bit louder, and then you speak a bit louder, and it goes up and up and up until everybody's at maximum. doesn't take long. And mm. so I don't think we want a worldwide... I mean, if you look at politics right now, that pretty much shows you what happens if nobody's listening and everybody's yeah. shouting. I mean, that that is where we are at sadly uh, on both sides of the Atlantic and indeed in many other countries, when you look at what's happening in India as well, it, it's the politics of confrontation, polarization, caricature, um, and not a lot of listening. Politicians go off and have talks. And I wish they would go off and have listens instead. Mm. I think we'd be in a better world. So th- the answer, I think to your original question is that people who listen tend to engage, rather more easily because we mostly like being listened to. So if I'm talking to you and you're listening attentively as you are at the moment, that gives me a good feeling. Mm. You know, it's a validation. Uh, It means I'm not an idiot. It means that I'm not boring, you know, and so on and so on. So there's a lot of validation of the other person in listening. It's I, I often describe real listening, true listening as a gift, You know, um, Scott Peck said you cannot truly listen to another human being and do anything else at the same time. And I think that's absolutely right. But sadly, in the modern age, that's rare. I think there are billions of people on this planet who've simply never had the experience of being truly listened to because we're always doing something else. Mm. You know, I am listening, tapping away on a screen or making some some food or something. No, you're doing something else Mm. that precludes you from really listening. Now, you know, we do our best. And we have to do a lot of things at once and we're time poor and the, you know, the world is complex and so forth. Nevertheless, it is possible to put everything down, take a deep breath and say, I'm going to listen to you. And what a gift that is. And what a rare thing it is. And the other person naturally feels engaged, complimented. And that generates relationship. That generates connection. If we're all shouting, there's no connection.
1: Yeah. That, that's uh, That's such a beautiful answer, and it reminds me of something um a friend of a uh, friend colleague of mine that came on last season uh he's an executive coach uh and he he said something that just i i'll never forget uh just the way he phrased it he said the most interested person in the room is always the most interesting mm, that's so true
0: yeah. and I often say to people. You know, when I coach people or people who um, I I come across who say, well, nobody listens to me," I feel so frustrated, I can't seem to get a foothold in a conversation. I say the answer is to listen to the other person, ask questions, you know, Mm -hmm. open-ended questions, why, what, how, which, when, who, those kind of questions. Or if failing those, just using a little phrase like, oh, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's drawing the other person out. The other person starts to feel good. They feel listened to. And they're much then, much more likely to listen to you as well, unless they're just a steamroller, in which case, you know, do you want a relationship with them? I don't know.
1: Right. Okay. So you answered what I was just about to follow up with, which is is that the one concern I have over when I see so much communication advice, and, you know, you read a lot of it, is that so much communication advice seems to treat communication as if it's not a two-way street where it focuses on only how to speak or only how to listen, and a lot of, and I, I can fall into this trap because my whole thing is about connection, so I focus mostly on active listening and reflective listening, that's, but I realize sometimes that someone will come up to me after a workshop and they'll say, listen, I, 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 that's all, this is all great, Like I loved it, this is good stuff, but if I just listen, no one ever lets me talk. Mm. I never get to say my perspective, I never get to share, and then I just feel like no one cares. Mm. so like I, I, well, yeah I, yeah
0: I think I think you, you're absolutely right and, and you've read the book so you know that the the core of the book and that the opening proposition really of the book is what I call the circle which is the relationship between speaking and listening so many people think it's linear I speak you listen it's a straight line no it's mm-hmm. a circle all the time because the way I speak affects the way you listen and the way you listen affects the way I speak and the way I speak affects the way you speak and the way I listen affects the way you listen. So there's this complex dynamic going on all the time in a conversation, less so in a structured one like this, where, you know, we're doing effectively a radio show. So there are some sure. hidden rules here, folks, you know, which uh, we're we're um, conforming to uh, in a normal conversation. There'd be a lot more, oh, really, you know, a lot more feedback going right. on. On radio, if you do that kind of stuff, it's a little bit irritating for the listener. Right. Um, sure. So you know, there there are in any given situation there are loose rules that may or may not apply. Um, and it was interesting actually a while back I did a BBC Radio Four documentary called "The Curse of Open Plan," and I was talking with Professor Jeremy Myerson, who's an expert on offices and how they've developed, how the office environments developed. We were in the BBC looking at their open plan environment which drives many of them mad they can't you know they're journalists they're trying to write and there's somebody behind them talking about their great night out last night we have no ear lids we are programmed to decode language we can't understand two people talking at the same time and that includes the person behind you and your head when you're trying to listen to the little voice you need to listen to when you're trying to write something so it's it's massively damaging for productivity and jeremy reflected Uh, very interestingly he said you know what this is like the wild west there are no rules that we've established in open plan you know when you're at home the postman doesn't come striding into your living room and dump the, the post on the middle in the middle of the floor but in the open plan office That's what happens. There's no kind of boundaries. There's no way of signalling a little flag that says, I'm really busy. Please don't talk around me or a hat you could wear or something. There's no signal like that. So people don't conform to any rules. And it is like the Wild West. Nevertheless, uh, in, in many situations, we are aware of the rules. They vary from culture to culture, society to society family to family mm-hmm. um, you know you go to Italy and the rule is everybody talks at the same time that's around the dinner family. table <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I you know I love it but the volume level is intense and they seem to be able to single out one person I think that gets harder as you get older with the cocktail effect I mean I find it very difficult in a noisy room now uh, to isolate one person but nevertheless that's a very different environment from perhaps a northern Europe uh, dining room which would be a much quieter place I just came back from finland where people are very very quiet indeed generally uh Uh, so it is cultural um nevertheless i think you know if if you're in doubt and if you can't get a toehold in a conversation you know people just won't listen drawing them out is a good thing and the other tip i would give on this which i think is very powerful and I'm, i'm a great fan of is is little contracts so, Brian, Yeah. do you have five minutes I really need to talk to you? I do. Well, thank you. So then I have a contract with you. Uh, you've great. just committed to listen to me for 5 minutes great how many times do we just pile straight in and we don't know if the person's just had terrible news or uh, is wondering what they're going to buy for lunch or yeah. you know uh, is upset because they've just had an argument with somebody or yeah. has a tremendously important thing they've got to do in 3 minutes uh, and they haven't got time to listen right now so that contract is a really effective way uh, particularly for somebody who's a little bit shy or uh, whatever do you have 5 minutes i really need to talk to you and that's you know it's hard to turn that down if you really have got 5 minutes and then by making that contract you've actually bought 5 minutes of listening which is a very very valuable thing
1: that's fantastic i i i love that that's such a good technique and especially because the 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 point you made there about I'll do this by accident uh, to, to my wife a lot. I'm a much more classic extrovert. She's a much more classic introvert, uh, which is, side note, on the Italian family. Half of my family is 100% Italian, and the fir- and she is, uh, my, my wife, when we were dating and the first time she met my family, she is um, uh, Irish, Irish Catholic, came from a relatively proper, kind of a quieter family, and the first time she ever went to Long Island in new york to visit my family she just had the, her eyes were just wide at the dinner table with the <laughs> cacophony of and then she, when we left that that trip she said now i understand <laughs> like
0: <laughs> that Yeah, you were probably being quite toned down with her
1: <laughs> yeah you know and and she just had a moment where she actually understood mm. really intuitively for the first time that when i when i was interrupting her, which I never viewed as interrupting. We had this, we had this, that was the only fight we ever had early in our dating, which is, she said, you interrupt me, and it makes me feel like you think what you have to say is more important than what I have to say, and I remember saying, no, 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 I'm not interrupting you, I just, you said something that got me really excited, and I wanted to share that with you once she met my family, and she saw, Everybody just screams over each other the whole day. The only Mm. way to get your word in is to just scream over that person. Mm. It's amazing how just a little shift in perspective can actually change. And so I agreed to her early in our relationship that I would do my best to let her get all the way through her thought because she viewed it as rude and it doesn't matter how I view it right she viewed mm-hmm. it as rude and she also agreed to give me a little bit of a break when I accidentally did that because she knew it wasn't coming from malintent so I think that that's so good yeah. and,
0: and you, you know that that hits on a couple of things I talk about a lot with listening first of all that you always speak into a listening mm-hmm. and whether you're a professional speaker like you are and like I am Um, or whether you're talking one-to-one at your family or at work or wherever it may be, you always, always speak into a listening. And that's an important thing to consider because it allows you to start asking the question, what's the listening I'm speaking into, which is listening to the listening. It's being sensitive Mm -hmm. to the receiver. And that is crucial because the biggest mistake I see all the time people making is assuming that everybody listens like I do and they do not because we listen through this set of filters that I talked about in, in my third TED talk, the one on Conscious Listening, the the culture you're born into, the language you speak. So we just talked about, you know, the Italian culture. And that is a different form of listening from, for example, Far East countries, where if somebody elderly speaks, it would be crushingly rude to talk over them and interrupt them because of the respect that there is for older, wiser people um, and you know, the, the the way that whole thing works there. So it's very important to be sensitive to those things, the culture, the language, your values, attitudes, beliefs, the things that you accrete along the way from your parents originally, and then perhaps from friends, role models, teachers, whoever it might be. You choose some, you throw away others. I've chosen different ones and I've thrown away different ones, probably. There may be many similarities, but they will not be identical. And then in any given situation you may have intentions, expectations, you may have emotions going on, assumptions about how the world works and what people think about me and so forth. So there's all these things which create your listening and everybody you speak to has got that going on too. So there's a couple of really important things that come with this, I think, transformational realization. The first is, if I become conscious of my filters, I can start playing with them using them as control surfaces uh, changing my listening position which is one of the exercises I really love and if I'm conscious of other people's filters then I can speak much more accurately into their listening whether it's one person or you know 5000 people there's a listening there and simply by asking yourself the question what's the listening I'm speaking into you can sense it. You can sense it. I mean, you know that on a stage. I know that on a stage. I can mm. sense the, the listening I'm speaking. Is it just after lunch? They're a bit tired. You know, the blood's all gone to their gut. Is it the end of the day? Am I the only thing in between them and the bar or going home? Is it first thing in the morning? Do they need waking up? You know, you have to be sensitive to these things. Is it an older audience? Younger? What are the cultural references here? Mm. What are their problems? What are they really here for? What are they hoping for? How can I give a gift that's got some meaning to them. And all of these questions can apply in in one-to-one conversation just as much easier one-to-one because we're seeing the other person right in front of us a lot of the time and there are cues, there are visual cues which we all know how to pick up, you know, um, whether it's little facial expressions or body language or pheromones or whatever it might be, uh, we're picking stuff up all the time which gives us cues back. Um, So speaking into the listening is a really really fundamental part of getting people to listen to you and I think many many of the people who have the problem of not being listened to it's largely because they don't ask that question what's the listening I'm speaking into do they have the time are they interested in this what will they be interested in what's what's driving them you know how can I make this conversation valuable to them
1: there's such powerful questions to be able to ask yourself and I I think you're right I I I I feel like sometimes I underestimate that I got to learn this stuff intuitively as a stage performer, as a magician from from very young. You know, I, I was doing magic professionally at 16, and so I've had this mm. long – kind of my age betrays the amount of years I've been on stages, right? And so sometimes when I'm trying to teach this stuff, it just feels so intuitive because, mm. you know, as a, oh, when you're on a stage, you can – like you said, you can just feel – that there's a different way the audience is listening than than they were th- even 30 minutes ago or will be an hour from now um even if you're giving the same talk 3 days in a row to three different audiences it's it, mm. it just such a different feeling uh could have been something in the news that morning could have just been whoever just spoke right before you maybe they you know were excellent or maybe they were terrible and that that both of those things can affect how they're how they're listening to you oh big time oh they
0: really piss off the audience in which case you come on to a bunch of really angry people I mean that all of those things you and I have probably had to deal with over the years yeah um and you know people often (laughs) say to me I'm going on after you I'm feeling so nervous I said don't worry about it you know just because I've got TED talks and I I, you know I'm all right at this it it does not affect what you're going to do yourself you need to be yourself you know it's uh, I talk about the hail of speaking in power honesty authenticity integrity and love and the authenticity is really important being yourself so even if somebody's come on and done you know a brilliant like if I came on after you you do a you do a brilliant magic show <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be laughing they'd be engaged they you know all that stuff they'd be whooping and hollering I'm sure there'd be interaction with the audience and I would stride on stage a relatively reserved English person mm. with a very different vibe altogether. uh well, I need to acknowledge where they're coming from mm-hmm. and I need to make an adjustment with them so that they know that they're now into a different scene here. And, and as long as I'm conscious and I'm working on it and I, I don't ignore it, it will work fine. I know it does because it has many, many times.
1: And that—that's that circle that we were talking about earlier, right? Where you—we were talking about just now speaking into the listening, and then you're drawing that circle there, where you're saying, "Well, because I'm—I know that I'm speaking into a different sort of listening, I need to speak now to make an adjustment, so their listening adjusts to how I'm going to speak." And that, right? That's that circle you're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, if you're as long as you're conscious and you're asking the questions of yourself all the time and the other big thing to remember of course is that you're there to give a gift I mean it's not about you anyway that's uh, that's always the case whether it's again a one to one conversation or uh, you're standing on stage in front of thousands of people it's not about getting approbation getting affirmation being loved respected admired and all that stuff it's about giving a gift it's about what can you give to the other person so that's where those questions of what do they need? What's of value? And so forth. Any great salesperson will tell you the most important part of the sales conversation is the listening,
1: mm.
0: not the speaking, because you need to understand the other person. Otherwise, you're going to be selling them the wrong thing completely. <laughs> and we've all had that experience oh, yeah. somebody who's fast talking, glib, and completely irritating because they don't listen
1: to us. Uh, you know, I, I I've had uh, uh, s- when I was in my mid twenties, and I was doing reasonably well in my career, and but I still looked like I was in my mid twenties, and so I used to have the opposite thing happen, where I would walk into a furniture store that was a reasonably you know nice furniture store, and the salesman wouldn't even give me the time of day because I was just some <laughs> mid twenty year old kid. They have no idea that I had the money to drop on there. They could have made a terrific sale, but because mm-hmm. they didn't give me pay me any attention. I walked out. I went somewhere else. Mm. So I, I I, think that that um, that can go both ways. And I, I love that point, that human connection, that listening, uh, making people feel heard and understood is, is a gift. And it's like it's becoming a, a more and more precious and very, very rare gift. And I think we're I feel like we're finally I at least I am. I'm feeling that backlash to what's been going on for the last decade or so now Mm. really for the last four or five years which is if you're out there in the world now in airports and public places and coffee shops you can feel it people are begging for a real connection with someone now Mm. all you have to do now is standing in line with someone is just say you know hey how's your day and boom they're in they're ready to tell you all (laughs) about it because no one has asked them about themselves in ages. Um, Mm. It's amazing. Well, yes,
0: although we still have the problem that most of them are looking at something in their hand and tapping away with a frowny face on. Um, You know, TED used to be a place where the best place to meet people was always the queue. And when it was back in Monterey, there was a queue because there weren't enough seats for the people. So you had to go early and queue up if you wanted to get a seat in the main auditorium. So people would queue for, you know, immediately, they'd come out one door and go and stand in a queue for the other one for the coffee break. And you would immediately start talking to somebody. Hey, what do you do? Well, I've just interviewed the Dalai Lama. Oh, that's a normal TED (laughs) conversation, you know. (laughs) So uh, that kind of thing went on all the time. Now, not so much because people in queues are looking at their hand. Now, I have to say I'm very glad that that is about to change because the audio revolution is coming. It's something the sound agency is very engaged in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be talking to the internet and listening to the internet and not typing, not using our fingers and our eyes the whole time so that's a very different thing the demise of the pedestrian you know the person who stops in front of you and you ram into them because they they're immediately um, they're typing away and they didn't have any consciousness of what was going on around them that's all about to happen
1: can Um, can you dig dig into that for for us a mm -hmm. little bit because i think uh, those of us in the industry and are excited about audio know exactly what you're talking about but i think there's a lot of people listening that have no idea what this audio revolution is that you're talking about
0: Well, it's upon us, really. I I just did a talk in Helsinki to the radio industry there talking about exactly this. Um, We have seen the first wave of it, which is smart speakers, and those have taken the US by storm, I know. Uh, In Finland, not so much because they don't speak Finnish yet, (laughs) but when they do, uh, I think a lot more people will be installing them there too. Every country in the world eventually will have these devices, which means we can walk around controlling our home by voice. Now, I don't particularly want to have a relationship with my fridge. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, and what is going to happen is, uh, first of all, these devices around us uh, will become smarter and smarter. And secondly, there'll be an intelligent agent which will arise. Um, something like Super Siri or, uh, you know, something that's actually able to hold a conversation with you and ultimately are artificially intelligent. So... Instead of having, I don't know how many apps you've got on your phone, but I have like 200 apps on my phone too many or something like that. Yeah, too many, 200 too many. And um, how much time do we spend filling in our credit card details, our hmm. passwords, our address, our date of birth, every time we want to do something? Well, it won't be like that in the future. I will simply say, Fred, or whatever the name of my intelligent agent is, uh, I need to go to Brazil next week. Could you check flights on Wednesday coming back Sunday and by the way could you see if that room I stayed in last time at that hotel is still available and if so just hold it for me and Fred will go off and do all of the passwords and date of birth and credit card numbers and so on apps no a simple conversation with something that will become a friend a bit like Jarvis in Iron Man you know I mean that seems like science fiction it is right now but it's not going to be in a few years and we'll be talking to it as we move around as well, because ultimately it'll be wearable, something in your ear, and then it'll move to a bone implant in your skull, hmm. which works through bone conduction. It'll be able to hear you perfectly well and speak to you perfectly well. So, uh, we will all have those, I, sh- I think in my lifetime that will all be happening. So it's going to change a great deal. We will be speaking through a gatekeeper and for the marketing industry, that's massive. How are they going to get through that gatekeeper? (laughs) And who's going to own it is the other really interesting question. Will it be Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft? Who? I don't know. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to uh, watch what happens in this. But the good news is, well, two things really. One, our eyes and our fingers are liberated. Now, I'm not anti-text. Writing is wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's caused some of the great revolutions in the world. Publishing things, you know, you can't communicate with a million people so easily by speaking to them. You can right. certainly do that by writing. However, it has, since it's only 4,000 years old and speaking's, you know, like 160,000 years old or something, um, I think writing has really dominated uh, out of all proportion over the last 40 years. So, we get liberated we can walk around looking at things and using our hands for other things than typing uh, which is all to the good and the second great thing is that we will rediscover the art of speaking and listening because it will become again as it was for hundreds of thousands of years or certainly a long time the most natural way for us to communicate
1: right. and that's with machines just as much as with people it's fantastic uh i i am very excited for that revolution to come. I know there's a lot of people that get very nervous, very anxious. And uh, I find myself repeating recently as when I chat with people and I talk about getting excited over self-driving cars and you get a lot of pushback. Oh no, that's going to be terrible. It's going to be the worst. And I find myself repeating kind of Elon Musk's mantra on that, which is, well, there was a time when, you know, elevators were all human driven and then there was a while there where everybody was nervous nobody wanted to set foot in an automatic elevator now you would never trust a human being <laughs> with your <laughs> elevator uh, mm. so I, I'm very excited although you brought up that that was a really interesting point we don't need to dig into here it's not really relevant but I, I had not considered the fact that that technology will be owned by some corporation and you're gonna have to mm. decide do you want do you want Google to own the space inside your head you know that mm. that's real that's that's really interesting um, yes and
0: how personal Will it be? I mean, there are great possibilities when you think about lonely people are living on their own and mm. suddenly able to have a real conversation with something that's very human and caring and pleasant and you know so forth. That is going to help a great deal in many ways. Uh, lots of good things will happen. On the other hand, the data yeah. who owns it? <laughs> yeah, that's a big question.
1: It is. It is for sure. Um, I want to pivot here and make sure I get a chance to ask you the question that everybody gets asked on the show. It's kind of the hook of the show, but it's my most my most curious thing about all these wonderful people I get to chat with. Uh, so julian, do do you have a a story of a chance encounter in your life, personally or professionally that that either really impacted you or them or both? It doesn't have to be someone you stayed in touch with, although it could be. It's really whatever you whatever comes to mind.
0: Well, I do, actually. Um, it's one that I've often thought about because it was so pivotal in my life. I was at university. I had the fortune to go to Cambridge University. And um, in my first year, I think it was actually my first term, um, I found a letter, a note in my pigeonhole, which says, I hear you're a drummer. If you'd like to join a band, call me. And it was from a guy called... John Romney, who later became a film critic over here in the National Papers, and I called him. I wasn't a great drummer at the time, but, you know, I was keen. And we put a band together, which uh, became a band called Fish Turned Human and released a single. And in recording that single at the legendary Spacewood Studios in Cambridge, um, I met the guitarist who came up from London to record that session became friends with him, moved, when I left Cambridge, moved down to London and eventually moved to Ealing, the part of London he lived in um, and kind of became part of a musician, um, it's not a collective, but a group of friends uh, who were in several different bands, uh, several of which I played with or um, had you know, great contact with. It was my life for a number of years. And it set me off on a course of being a musician, running a recording studio with Sid Wells, who still works for me today at the sound agencies, our technical director, uh, like 40 years later. And I think if I hadn't had that note in my pigeonhole, um, things would have been very different because that whole path, that whole part of my life sensitised me to sound. And, you know, people often say, why do you do what you do? How did it happen that you do what you do? Well, I had a whole career in um, in marketing, producing magazines for companies. But all the way through, I was playing music. And so when I sold that publishing company, the heartland, the place I wanted to come back to was sound and music. So I formed the sound agency in 2003. And so I think everything that's happened to me and the reason we're having this conversation now and all the people I know pretty much came from that one note in my pigeonhole. If that had never existed, goodness knows what I'd be doing now. I might be an economist or that's what I studied at university. Um or a tax inspector or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, that was truly that was one of those nodes where the paths lead off in different directions. Mm-hmm. And that was the path I went on.
1: Wow, that's that's great. And I I, I love hearing these stories For one, because I love reminding my audience, it's kind of the whole reason I started this podcast a couple of seasons ago, was to just continually remind my audience that the most successful people all have these stories of chance encounters. And sometimes the difference between success and not success is simply that the successful people saw them for what they were in that moment the, and and followed through and that we we but we have so many every day like you know you have 3 4 10 chance encounters a day that that don't have to become the life-changing story that you just told right that that survivorship bias where of course that's the story you're telling because it's the one that followed through but the person you randomly meet in a coffee shop the person you randomly you have a 10 second conversation with a 5 minute conversation that you don't even get their name you never end up Talking to again, that can still have a ripple effect, and does in fact have ripple effects. Yeah, uh, definitely.
0: And if the physicists are right, there are an infinite number of universes out there where different choices were made, mm. and so there's one out there where I, I'm a tax inspector, <laughs> bring away at this very moment. So it's something so to reflect on, isn't it? There are yeah. there are many of these in life, and the, the choices we make. And I think th- I think you're right about entrepreneurs. I mean, I guess that's I, I've been one since. 1988 was when I started my first business. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference except that entrepreneurs kind of have have a bit more faith, by which I mean Mm. uh, a commitment to the idea that all will be well. I don't mean Mm. some sort of glowing evangelistic vision uh, of the future, or uh, some do, but I certainly didn't. I tend to take life one day at a time and I go along and I believe in, you know, synchronicity and things happening um, for a reason, I tend to go with the flow a great deal, but going with it, that's where the faith is. Not dithering and not going, whoa, whoa should I? Oh, no. It's just, it'll be okay. And things turn out the way they turn out. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, that's, you know, crossing the bridge without the fear to the other side is is a big big part of being an entrepreneur. And a lot of people will not do that. They'll go, looks ropey to me. I'm not going there. I'll stay here. It's safe here. Thank you very
1: much. Mm-hmm. I love that you were use that word synchronicity. I've been on a kick over the last six or eight months of, of I've just been obsessed with the, the idea of luck in success. And I don't think it's talked about enough. I get worried that young people right now are only getting the survivorship bias. They're only seeing on social media, the big success stories. And you don't see For every one person that took that big risk and quit their nine to five and stormed out and launched their own business, and two years later they were a multimillionaire, for all of Mm -hmm. those, there's probably a thousand people that quit, stormed out, the big idea didn't work, and then now what? And they had to go do something else, right? And I get really curious about that, the role of luck. Uh, As you Mm -hmm. said, maybe if the physicists are right, maybe you just happen to be in the one universe where that... With the luck was in the right place and led you to here and you have no idea what might have happened somewhere else my my question here to to drill into that synchronicity is first do you believe in luck but if you do and it sounds like you do because of the way you mentioned synchronicity more to the point do you believe it's possible to increase your odds of being lucky
0: yeah well I go back to listening I think listening has a huge part to play and uh, when i talk about listening in this context i'm not simply talking about listening to sound mm-hmm. uh, i'm talking about being attentive and that is really important to me there are unfortunately i think a lot of people who go around in the modern world uh very desensitized because there's so much intensity going on there are so many channels you know um there's all this research about young people having a second screen or even a third screen while they're watching tv there was a fascinating study i I encountered last week which showed that people basically don't watch tv ads at all they look away and they listen to tv ads so if you're a brand advertising on tv and you don't mention your brand name your ad is completely pointless well it's an amazing revelation you know because there's the arrogance of brands thinking people are there, you know watching the screen avidly well they are not they're making tea or they're having a chat or they're sending a text or whatever it may be, so yes, I think attentiveness is really crucial. I'm not sure I believe in luck so much okay. as taking chances i yes chance I mean things happen randomly or maybe the universe conspires i don't know maybe we'll know when we die maybe we won't mm. um there's many many unknowns about life I, I do tend to think that having that feeling that all will be well is is a more positive way to live because uh, when you live in faith like that i don't mean a religious faith i simply mean a faith that things will work out sure. uh, then you don't have so much anxiety and worry and worry to me is one of the most redundant things it gets in the way of a lot of communication Um, people listening from fear and what can go wrong here and so forth Uh, that's not a great listening position a listening position of faith uh, all will be well we cross one bridge at a time let's just do this thing and then what will happen will happen and it'll be fine that's uh, a much more measured and relaxing and positive way to go through life than the fear-based approach so attentiveness And faith, I think those are two big legs of um, being able to seize chances and take advantage of things that turn up. Uh, If you don't spot them, you'll miss them. And if you
1: spot them and you're
0: frightened of them, you'll miss them.
1: Mm. It's so powerful. Um, Thank you for that that really considered answer. I, I have a lot to think about there. Uh, before we wrap up, before I ask you a final question, I want to give you a chance to to chat about your new course, which uh, your you have a you have an online course now, right? Mm. Uh, your your book is wonderful. We'll have that in the show notes. The book is How to Be Heard, right? Uh yes. It's it's really excellent. It's uh, and just just for the listener, there's a lot of communication books that are very good in terms of their research, but they tend to be very dense and very difficult to read. Um, if you're not already interested in the subject like like I am, if you're just looking to get some some actual use out of it uh your your book has the research, but it's not dense it's really easy to read, and I mean that in the best possible way it's it's easy to read and then immediately implement into your personal and professional life so definitely go to the show notes um and check out uh, how to be heard but you have a new online course which has probably i would imagine a lot, even more to it than you would get from a book or certainly from a 10-minute TED Talk. So what's the course about and what do we get from it?
0: Yeah, well, it came out of the TED Talk uh, on speaking, which is called uh, How to Speak So That People Want to Listen. So I named the course the same thing. But the TED Talk was, I think, 14 minutes long. Uh, The course is seven and a half hours of uh, material in nine chapters. Uh, It covers listening. It covers speaking it covers the reasons we don't do either of those two things very well so lots of caveats and things to look out for and work on it's full of exercises and it's basically everything i've learned over the years about communication skills um there's a chapter in there from my fiance the wonderful jane majundi who's a four-time world champion martial artist yoga and well-being expert and it's called fit to speak which covers nutrition hydration Relaxation, mm. uh, stretching, warm-up exercises, and so forth. Often, something people don't think about when they're speaking, but you will know it's really important that you are fit to speak. I know, I know it's important, but I'm bad at it, so I could definitely <laughs> use that chapter. <laughs> well, then enjoy Jane's chapter, and then it it kind of culminates in um, in a masterclass from me on public speaking. So it's everything I've learned. Everything that can go wrong, how to make sure it doesn't, how to deal with it if if it does and how to give of your best every single time that you walk onto the stage. So I'm really pleased with this. And I mean, the genesis of this course, really, um, apart from coming out of the book, you know, writing the book was was a wonderful experience. And recording it, incidentally, which we did in the little studio up here, I recorded the audio book, which won the Audi and the Sovas Awards for Best Business Audiobook of twenty. 18, 19. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thrilling. Well, thank you. I'm yeah. also absolutely amazing. Um, the the book kind of laid the foundations for this course, but I had a pulmonary embolism in October 2018, mm. which came about through a lot of flying. I'm sure you do a lot of flying. Yeah. Many people listening to this probably do as well. I would just say, please don't take it for granted. Exercise, stretch, drink lots of water, move your legs, get up, move around. Make sure that you're looking after yourself because I took it for granted. The result was a DVT and that went straight through to my lung. And in order to get to the lung, it goes through the heart. And that's where you can die. That's where a pulmonary embolism can actually kill you. Um, So that was a showstopper, really. I had to reassess, do I want to go on traveling to this degree? I'm very passionate about getting communication skills out there, listening you know, is, as I said, the key. But the speaking, the, all of the teaching about speaking is the spoonful of sugar. That's the thing that will um, make people want to mm-hmm. take this course, I hope. Um, so I thought, okay, the way to do this, the way to get the the knowledge out there to as many people as possible without stepping onto quite as many aeroplanes is to put it online, to mm-hmm. put it out there. So uh, we've got it up on a website, speaklistenbee.com and um I hope many people um, check it out and enjoy it the, the best access for it actually is probably to go to juliantreasure.com and then put your email address in and you'll get five free listening exercises little videos from me and then uh, you'll get the opportunity to download the first chapter of the course and see if you like it so terrific that's probably the easiest way to do it and I'm very proud of it and and you know I'm excited to have it out there um and hopefully spreading lots of ripples of listening in a world that sorely needs listening and good speaking too
1: fantastic well we will definitely make sure that that's in the show notes and i hope uh i think this sounds like something obviously professionals but i think especially if you're if you're just getting out of college or doing grad school just at the beginning of your career that sounds like exactly the kind of thing that is desperately needed right now especially as Young people are looking into, as I mentioned, an increasingly unpredictable uh, world and economy and workforce and automation is taking over and all these sorts of things. So to to kind of ping off that point into the final question um, for those people, the young professionals, the young adults uh, looking to build that sustainable career. You've given so much advice here, so this may be something of a redundant question. But if you had, you know, 30 seconds to speak to someone like that and give them a piece of advice or a minute, whatever, to speak to them and give them one piece of advice on how to build a meaningful career, a sustainable career in the world that we're heading into right now, what would you tell them? Well, definitely
0: listening would be at the top of the list. And I think a a quality of attention, which is invaluable now, is curiosity. Curiosity with compassion, really. I mean, the the combination of arrogance and uh, a kind of numbness uh, or distraction. Arrogance and distraction is a terrible combination. And it's unfortunately a very common one now. Uh, whereas I think if you can be fully present and listening and curious, which is a, it's a humble way to be. You know, I, I want to learn. I'm not perfect. I have a lot to learn. What could I learn in this conversation, in this book, in this exercise, in this environment, in this company, so forth? If you're soaking it up and curious in that way, I think you've got a great chance of being on a fast track. Um, Whereas a lot of people who are sitting there thinking they know it all um, and sending in in texts and, and so forth and broadcasting their genius to the world, that's not really going to be a long term strategy for success.
1: What a great way to end. Julian, I I, I can't thank you enough for, for your time. And just on a personal note, this has been a, a, an especially thrilling hour for me. I've been such a fan for so oh, thank long. You, I've just thank s- you. watched your talks and enjoyed your, your work over and over and over again. Um, so thank you for this. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, it's been a huge pleasure for me. I've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, maybe we'll meet on a stage somewhere, somehow. I hope so.
1: Wow, what a conversation that was. Before I let you go beyond, beyond networking, here are a few of my takeaways from this episode. And for what it's worth, I'd love to hear your takeaways. They're probably very different from mine. Head to beyondnetworkingpodcast.com and scroll down a little bit. You'll actually see an audio Box. You can leave audio comments now, up to ninety seconds. So, go there, leave a comment. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. If you had any questions and related to what we talked about this episode, uh, and and then in future episodes, I will actually be able to play your audio comments and questions and respond to them, uh, which is I, I just really really cool. Okay, here are my takeaways from this episode. First, communication isn't linear. It's a circle. How you speak affects how someone listens. How you listen affects how someone speaks, etc. We must stay engaged and vigilant in order to have effective communication in service of connection. Second, speak into the listening. I loved that phrase. This is an extension of something you've heard me say many, many times. Meet people where they're at. If you want to make an impact with your speech, ask yourself, how is this person, this group, or this audience listening right now? What's going on in their head? And then you can adapt your tone, your rhythm, even your language to communicate in a way that works for them. And finally, if you want to build success in an unpredictable world, adopt the mindset of curiosity plus compassion. What does that mean? In any given situation, assume you don't know and don't understand. That leads to asking meaningful questions and truly listening to the answers. This mindset will draw people to you, which is precisely how you build a network of people who trust you. And trust is the foundation of sustainable careers. If you enjoyed and found value in this episode, there are a handful of ways you can support the podcast, which are all free. First, you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Second, you can share an episode with the important people in your life, friends, family, loved ones, colleagues, coworkers, bosses, employees. And if you share on social media, use the hashtag beyondnetworking so we can find you thank you, and continue to build this wonderful community. You can always leave a rating, a comment, a review on Apple Podcasts. That means the world to us, and it actually makes a big difference when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to when they see that there's support behind it. And finally, you can jump on the email list. Just head to beyondnetworkingpodcast.com There, toss your email into the box, and you will get, for free, always, no ads, no sponsors, no paywalls, no nothing. You will get an email every time a new episode drops, so you don't have to keep checking your podcast app. Plus, you'll get community-exclusive bonus features rolling out over the course of this year. One of them, in particular, is a private community online just for us to support each other on our mission to go beyond networking and build those sustainable careers. Definitely check the show notes to this episode for all of the related links from Julian, uh, his TED Talks, his online course, his book. That said, my name is Brian Miller. This is Beyond Networking, and we'll see you next time. (laughs)